Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I'm your host, Benjamin Rangel, and today we bring you a conversation with the executive director of Walker's Point Youth and Family Center, Audra O'Connell. Audra and her team are doing amazing work serving young people and young adults who need support to find housing, among many other things. As you'll hear in a bit, Walker's Point Youth and Family Center has been doing youth work in the city since 1976 and is one of the few organizations with housing available for runaway and homeless youth in our entire state. Yes, our entire state. And so before we jump into the interview, please consider supporting our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash bridge the city. Support starts at just $4.14, which despite inflation, that price has not gone up at all since we started our Patreon we're all volunteers here at Bridges City, and so your support goes a long way in ensuring we can continue to empower and uplift the voices of folks doing amazing things here in Milwaukee, like Audra O'Connell, Executive Director of Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. Audra O'Connell, thank you so much for being on Bridge the City. Can you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and what brought you to the work that you're currently doing? Sure. Thanks, Ben. Um, so I have lived in Milwaukee for, I'm going to say 16, 17 years now. Um, I moved here, uh, because I met someone from Milwaukee and ended up going to UWM. Um, and while I was at UWM, I, I did my undergrad in comparative religion, history, and Hebrew, which doesn't leave a lot for, (laughs) for jobs, job options. Uh, but while I was there, I started to get really interested in working with homelessness. Um, when I would drive into school or when I would take the bus into school, I could see that obviously homelessness was an issue. Uh, and I just, I felt like I needed to do whatever I could do about it. Uh, and so the guest house was really kind and gave me a shot. And uh, I worked with uh, formerly homeless individuals that had been pretty chronically homeless, so 10, 15, 20 years, um, getting them into permanent supportive housing. Uh, And so I did that for years and just absolutely fell in love with being able to do my little part. Um, And then I went on and got a great opportunity to create what we now call coordinated entry, um, which is a coordinated effort by the entire Milwaukee County to um, prioritize homeless individuals based on highest acuity need versus like a first come first serve model that we had. Mm, So I did that for years. Um, Also enjoyed that, enjoyed creating collaborations and really focusing on on, um, serving the most vulnerable population. The ones that we see, you know, in tent cities and that sort of thing. And not the person that just had more resources because they were able to call a place at the right time or show up at a place at the right time. Um, And then from there, I decided that I kind of wanted to move downstream more into prevention. And one of the things I saw in all of my work prior was, you know, young people uh, being homeless without having many options because they are minors. And understanding that, you know, if we went downstream and we were working with young people to resolve their homelessness, 
then they're less likely to sort of reintroduce in the adult system down the road, maybe with their own children. And so that was really appealing to me, this idea of instead of going and working after they've been out on the streets for 15 or 20 years, going and working with them young and helping to alleviate that issue and trying to mitigate as many people as possible coming in as adults. So I moved over um, to be the executive director of Walker's Point Youth and Family Center about six years ago. Wow, okay, six years, and that's why we are here now to talk a bit about your work with the Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. And from my understanding, you all offer three primary services, a runaway teen and crisis program, a supportive housing program, and a mental health clinic for youth. Can you take a bit of time and talk about the value and impact of these programs? We can start with the uh, Runaway Teen in Crisis program. Sure. So the Runaway Teen in Crisis program was our initial program we created back in 1976. And it was realizing that while there were a few options for homeless youth on the north side of Milwaukee, Milwaukee was still very segregated. And so we saw a lot of South Side youth who still needed those services, but didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason um, seeking those services elsewhere in Milwaukee. So uh, we created the runaway program that at the time was in Walker's Point. Uh, We are now in Clark Square. And it is an eight-bed facility. uh, And we host youth up to 21 days. Um, they have built-in crisis services, so uh, making sure that we are working with therapists from day one to sort of start to address the needs of why they're homeless, Um, and then providing other sort of wraparound services for those families if if it's a family situation um, or involving um, officials if for some reason there's an issue around abuse or neglect, that sort of thing. Uh, and so we've, we've done that since the 70s. We're the only shelter that will take parenting youth and their children in the entire state. Um, wow. So we find that really important to make sure that parenting youth have an outlet to come with their child. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of our keystone program. And from there, we realized that uh, mental health accessibility wasn't uh, always there for young people for a variety of reasons. Um, And so we built the mental health clinic as an offshoot of the shelter because we were already providing free mental health treatment for all youth in the shelter. Uh, And we really felt strongly that youth outside of the shelter could benefit from that service and if that alleviated the need for them to come into shelter, even better. So we, um, we will provide free therapy for any 11 to 17-year-olds. If they are 14 or over, they do not need parental consent, which is really helpful um, given some of the youth that we serve um, come from backgrounds in which mental health treatment isn't necessarily something that uh, their family feels comfortable in them seeking. Yeah, there's still stigma around it. Absolutely. Eric. And so being able to provide those services um, free and confidentially uh, has just been really helpful in order to help alleviate a young person's crisis that might cause them to come into shelter. Uh, And so we do that, um, and so we can do that there at our shelter offices. We can go on site and meet with them. We've met with um, young people that were having crises in schools. We've met with them in their homes. Uh, We can do a variety of family therapy as well as one-on-one therapy. Whatever whatever that young person needs, we're going to try to take care of that. 
Um, and then as we started to do this work, we realized that there was this natural progression. Uh, young people turn 18, and so they can't be in our shelter, but we were seeing a lot of young people who maybe were in the foster care program um, that are transitioning out, and they're going to transition into homelessness. Or they were young people that maybe we served in the shelter because they were homeless with their family as a minor, and now that they're an adult, they're homeless on their own, or they're homeless with their own children. And so we created the Insights Program in the 90s to um, help alleviate some of the housing crises for young adults. So we right now we're working with about, oh gosh, I want to say 25. Um, it's a mixture of 25 young adults on their own as well as young adults with their own children. Uh, and they have apartments all over Milwaukee County. They pick their own apartment. Uh, we pay their security deposit and their rent for up to two years and provide intensive case management to help them work on their goals uh, with the hope that then they are transitioning in two years into an apartment that they picked, that they loved, and we've paid the security deposit for, and they're just taking that on and able to be successful. Yeah, and in preparation to this conversation, I had the privilege to learn and learn about and read some of the testimonials from those you serve it particularly with the Insights program. And so can you talk a bit more about the impact that program has had? Sure. I mean, again, it gets back to that prevention model of these are young people who have their whole lives ahead of them. And we feel really strongly that if we wrap them around with services and we take housing instability off the table as an issue, that gives them time and empowers them to go and work on the issues that they need to be successful. So things like, you know, if they need a GED, going back to school, helping them navigate the GED process and being able to obtain that or obtaining um, employment for the first time. Uh, it can be it can be things like seeking mental health treatment because clearly you know many of them come with pretty traumatic backgrounds, and so making sure that we address those those issues as well, and it's all catered to whatever the young person wants and and desires, and so that's where it's really helpful that once this housing instability is off the table what can I do? I mean, the, mm, yeah. the world is their oyster at that yeah. point. So it's great. It goes back to the, um, like the hierarchy of needs. If you don't have shelter, everything else is second, is second right? right? Absolutely. Um, so prioritizing that. I also love learning and hearing about how like doing the work that you all have been doing for so long since the seventies, along the way you identify other areas of need. And so you sort of expand the program based on what the community needs. And I think that's a, a sign of a, of a good, a good organization. So um, I do want to take a step back and just kind of zoom out and look at the whole city of Milwaukee a bit and learn a bit more about the current state of things. Uh, Bridge the City likes to uh, investigate Milwaukee and, and how we're doing and how we can improve and, and be the best city we can be and serve the community the way that it needs to be served. And so I'm wondering, um, how is Milwaukee doing when it comes to the number of young people experiencing housing insecurity or young people who have uh, chosen to run away from their homes for whatever reason? Sure. Can you talk a little bit about how the city's doing? Sure. It's a little hard right now to look at data just because of COVID. Um, what we see with young people who are dealing with homelessness is they take a much different approach than um homeless individuals that have been homeless for a longer period of time. Um, those individuals, you know, have created things like tent cities that I'm, that I'm sure you've seen. 
in the past, but young people, because they are minors, because they are very concerned about law enforcement interaction, um, because, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be, you know, by themselves out on the streets, they do a really good job of hiding mm. in plain sight, quite yeah. frankly. And so uh, the numbers pre-COVID were telling us that there were around 200 minors that were homeless on any given night in Milwaukee. Uh, to put it in perspective, between us and the other homeless youth shelter, there are 16 beds. Wow. So the need wow. obviously... Yeah. Is, is greater than what we can serve on any given night. Um, we, we, uh, it's a mix of both families that are homeless as a family unit and then teens who are homeless because they chose to run away or something happened in the home and they were asked to leave. Mm. Um, so it's, it's quite a mix bag on how and how they ended up on the streets. Um, the thing that is most concerning about young people on the streets in Milwaukee is we know, I'm sure um, you've been aware of sex trafficking being being an issue in Wisconsin as a whole, and we know that within 48 hours, at least one in four of those youth are going to be solicited wow. for some sort of trafficking. And, so, and they're obviously very vulnerable. There's already concern around getting law enforcement involved. So it's, it's really imperative that we are finding those young people and getting them somewhere safe fairly quickly. Uh, so I think that there is a lot of work that we have to do. Um, I don't think it is entirely on the city of Milwaukee. Mm. Um, we, we, you know, we serve a lot of youth from rural areas because they don't have youth shelters. So, you know, it's not it's not unusual for us to get youth from Waukesha County or from Walworth or that coming all the way into the city because they know that there's services here. Um, so I think the onus is really on the entire state to start stepping up. Um, there are a couple of things that we could do. Um, there was a bill that was at the state legislator um, in... 2020-2021 session around extending at our shelter if a young person shows up. We have uh, 12 hours to notify their parent or guardian and get approval that they can stay in our shelter. Uh, the, federal, the federal law says that should be 72 hours, but Wisconsin says 12. Uh, and, and where that becomes problematic is when you have youth that maybe have ran away uh, you know, a lot of times they're running away because they've experienced significant abuse, yeah. however that however that has come. Um, and so, you know, a guardian is not likely to say yes because they realize that by saying yes, you know, we might have to notify DMCPS of alleged abuse or neglect. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very likely that in those situations they're going to say no. And so then what, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to send them back out on the streets? Yeah. Are we supposed to send them back into an abusive uh, situation? I think that's not something that, you know, that goes completely against our mission. So that, uh, that stalled in the legislator. Do you know a little bit about why it stalled? Is it, was it like a part of a bigger bill that just had other things that were sort of politically um, unsatisfactory to one side or the other? It was, it was not a part of a bigger bill. My understanding from just reading news articles was that there, there was concern about 
um, not understanding how it would operate and a concern that we weren't giving parental rights the yep okay yeah. <laughs> the view that it needed to have. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, Wisconsin is really focused on parental rights, and, and in some ways that's great, and in some ways that does a complete disservice to some of our youth. Yeah. Um, there was also, I should also mention, there was also a bill that failed that had huge bipartisan support um, because in the state of Wisconsin right now, as a minor, you can be charged with uh, prostitution. Wow. Uh, and so there was a bill to remove that because obviously they're not able to give consent. So yeah. why would we be charging them for uh, sex trafficking crimes, it's right? literally charging the victim, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Had huge support, didn't go anywhere because um, in the ninth hour, people were afraid that it was legalizing prostitution for mm-hmm. minors. Yeah. Um, so those are two things that we're really passionate about um, as well as all of our collaborative partners that, that this next year we, we try to move forward just yeah. to help protect our kids. And it sounds like, you know, the legislature obviously has a lot on their plate all the time, but it sounds like some of it could have to do with like educating the, the lawmakers themselves and making sure that they know the organizations who are serving the young people who need the service um, are advocating for things. And I think it's best to probably listen to, to those organizations doing the work, right? right. Um, that would be ideal. Um, but obviously it sounds like there were some misconceptions, right? Because legalizing prostitution is a whole different thing than providing support to victims of sex trafficking, right? Right. All right, so I want to shift the conversation a little bit because I saw more recently that the Walker's Point Youth and Family Center is providing free yoga, and I'm going to get this wrong, speaking of mispronouncing words here, capoeira? Capoeira. Capoeira, okay, which I just learned a little bit about for the first time. Uh, free yoga and capoeira sessions for young people between the ages of 13 and 17 years old. That's through the summer, I believe, right? Right. So okay, can you talk great. a bit more about that program? Yeah, so, and ag- again, that came out of, um, in our shelter a few years ago, we had a great yoga instructor who donated their time and came in in the summer, and our shelter is located about a block from the uh, Mitchell Park where the domes are, and so they would walk over there once a week and do yoga with shelter residents, and everyone loved loved it to the point that we would have residents who left and went back to their home of origin and said, can I come back and do yoga? And it's absolutely. Uh, And so we worked with the city of Milwaukee office of violence prevention uh, to obtain a summer of healing grant. And so every Thursday from one to three, we trade off between one week is yoga, one week is capoeira. Um, And then, so we do that for an hour. And then we have an hour where we're working with our therapist to uh, do very basic like art therapy and just having conversations, um, providing snacks, uh, you know, making sure that if youth need bus passes to get there, we're taking care of that, just to kind of foster some community and relationship and to help them see that, you know, uh, mental health treatment sounds really scary and yeah. big, but it's as simple as just talking about your day and what your feelings are and, and what, you know, what you'd like to share with the group. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing that all the way through August, and it is open to any young person as long as they are within that age range of 13 to 17 and as long as we have permission from their guardian, yeah, we're happy to do and that. I think it's on Thursdays? It's on yeah. Thursdays, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Just wanted to restate that date. Um, it sounds like an amazing service, and it's something that working in education myself, working with young people, 
the the especially after the pandemic well not after right we're still experiencing some of the impact and trauma of of covid but um i haven't dug into the statistics a lot but it seems as if just from anecdotally from my experience that there's a lot of a huge need for mental health services broadly and so having that accessibility is, is super important yeah and just and just helping young people you know deal with covid is a is a trauma right yeah. they they lost years of their lives, um, as well as any other trauma that they might be experiencing. We're really lucky that one of our therapists is a licensed like capoeira instructor. So oh, her yeah. entire PhD was looking at how capoeira helps in tr- um, healing trauma for youth. And so, and if you're if you're not aware what it actually is, capoeira is a Brazilian. Um, it's sort of a dance martial arts combo. And so it's really based around healing that trauma that they had. And so this is sort of transferred onto the, the individuals that take part in this. It's um, part drumming, um, part dancing, part just moving your body. It's just a really exciting thing to be a yeah. part of. Yeah, no, that sounds great. It sounds like something that I mean, young people in general love to be outside, love to be active. And so it's like, well, most people do that, right? And so it's like, uh, it sounds like a great opportunity for young people to just build community and have fun too, yeah, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so Bridges City is about connecting people and organizations throughout the city. And I see that you all offer education and outreach presentations to schools and other community groups. Who are the groups that you hope to reach with that work? Um, so first and foremost, it's always young people. Uh, we want to make sure that they realize that they have options and and if something happens and they need help, whether that means a shelter stay, whether that means, you know, some mental health treatment or whether that means, hey, I'm I'm 18 and, you know, I'm I'm concerned about my housing stability, uh, that they have options in the city and we are always there. Um, It can also be as simple as I need some crisis services, like I I need some access to food or I need to be able to uh, wash my clothes. They could come to the shelter and we're able to provide those kinds of things. So when we go out into the community, it's always primarily focused on making sure that youth have access to the resources. Uh, But above and beyond that, there's also things around um, obtaining volunteers, Uh, we use around 100 volunteers every year just to keep our shelter operational 24-7. Yeah. So it's always great to reach new people that have a passion for helping youth in our in our community. So, yeah. What type of uh, volunteer work would volunteers find themselves doing? Like you mentioned, like a yoga instructor came from a, like the yoga came from a volunteer <laughs> potentially or someone right. volunteering their time. Like what else can people offer? Honestly, uh, it's such it's such a flexible opportunity because if some we were looking for someone this year to help us uh, reinstigate our our garden in our backyard. Um, a couple of years ago, we had worked to create a vegetable garden, um, and you know, with everything else that was going on, it just wasn't something we yeah, could focus on. So it could be things like working, doing minor, you know, stuff in our yard. Uh, we've had whole businesses come in and spend a day cleaning our shelter oh, wow. or organizing um, donations, uh, but it could be anything. So if someone, if someone has some sort of skill that they would like to uh, provide, we would be happy to have that discussion. That's great to know. And that actually brings me to my last question, which is always as 
Bridge of City listeners know about action steps. But before we jump into that last question, um, I, I, we do have time, right? I'm looking at the clock here and it's like, oh, we can keep talking about this, <laughs> which is great. And uh, I'm wondering if there's like misconceptions about um, youth experiencing housing insecurity or homelessness. Uh, is there something that you've run into a lot, whether it's working with lawmakers or uh, other folks um, who are learning about the work that you're doing? Are there certain misconceptions around the work that you all do that you all that you would like to sort of address? I think that a lot of times there are misconceptions around runaways and why youth run away. Um, I think in the past it had been really focused on, you know, they just decided the rules weren't for them or, mm. or whatever the case may be. And, and not to say that that isn't true. We do experience that sometimes. Uh, but really, most of the time it has to deal with something that is happening within that household. It might not be to the level that we need to call authorities and get them involved, but it could be as simple as just family conflict, that's the number one reason why youth uh, presented our shelter for services. Um, And so I think that that's something that uh, as we get better at tracking that need and getting our information out there, I would like to see people realize that, you know, youth aren't showing up at our shelter because everything's going right in their life. They're showing up because something Something bad's happening, and we need yeah. to respect that. Well, one thing that I was thinking when I when we first started the conversation was like you identifying the difference between folks who might be experiencing homelessness for you know long you know five, ten, fifteen years. I think the way that the everyday average person sees homelessness is through like what they see on the streets or in right. passing. Uh, and I think it was just interesting to hear like their like the work that you all are all are doing is a preventative measure hopefully. Right. Right. Um, but there's just like different, I guess, different levels of housing insecurity that people only think of, at least I would assume many people think of homelessness only when they think about tent cities or people on the streets that they can visibly see, but the other levels are there as well. Yeah. Especially with young people, like I said, they're really good at hiding. And so, you know, one of the biggest ways that young people um, deal with housing insecurity is through what we used to call couch hopping. So it's not that they're necessarily out on the street, but they're staying at their friend's house for a few days until, you know, they can't stay there any longer. And then they're going to their grandma's or their aunt's or whatever. And they're, and they're moving around um, in a way that isn't really um, helpful to make sure that they get to school, to make sure that they have access to, you know, if they, if they see a doctor for mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. that they're able to actually get to, to the doctor's appointments and that sort of thing. Um, so I think that that's another way that they're hiding and we don't realize that they are homeless, but they are. Yeah. Uh, the, you, but the other thing you, you, you have to keep in mind is especially when you're looking at things like those tent cities and you're seeing people that have much longer term uh, periods of being homeless, the likelihood that they started out um, in some sort of housing instability or homeless situation when they were a young person is pretty high. Mm, yeah. um, and so just trying to keep that reminder of this isn't necessarily something that they chose to do or, you know, this is something that happened through the trajectory of their life and, Mm -hmm. and things that happen and, and trying to realize that we're all just so close to that and we don't take that into consideration. Yeah. Just being reminded of the dignity of the the whole person, right? Right. The respect that everyone deserves. Well, 
Uh, Audra, this has been a great conversation. So we'll end with what we always end with at Bridges City, which is talking about action step. What is something tangible that, it, that someone who's listening to this, um, they are maybe have been passionate or now passionate about the work that you all are doing that they can do uh, to make a difference in the community, whether it's related to this particular type of work or just broadly, what sure. are some action steps for our listeners? Uh, so number one, if you're a young person and you're interested in our Summer of Healing program, we would love to see you sign up. Uh, if you go over to our Facebook page, it's got it's got the info on how you sign up for that program. Um, but the other thing is really just keeping in mind that uh, young people aren't alone. And so if something happens where you are around a young person that you think, you know, hey, they might need access to mental health treatment or, you know, they might need access to a short-term shelter stay, um, by all means, making sure that they have access to our resources and to us at all times is helpful. Um we are working with the Wisconsin Association of Runaway and Homeless Youth to try to revitalize those two bills. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, we're hoping to do a much better job of educating both politicians and the public on why these bills are so important and what they can mean to a young person's life. Uh, so being able to contact your local lawmakers when you see that come through would be phenomenal. Yeah, and I think it it's interesting how often contacting or advocating with the law contacting a lawmaker is like one of the action steps provided because so many people like yourself and your organization are doing great work in the community but oftentimes where our hands are tied to do the best work possible because of the laws that are in place and so Absolutely. making the laws um, better able to serve those doing the work is super important and something that always comes up well, Audra, thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. And I hope that someone is listening and feeling inspired to either a young person to attend the the summer healing session. Uh, summer of healing. Summer yeah. of healing. And then is, is that something that came out of COVID? No. No, okay. I believe the Office of Violence Prevention okay. has done it for a couple of years. Which is great, too. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that office is doing really important work. And we've talked to folks from that office on the podcast before. So. Um, but yeah, thank you again for being on and, uh, yeah, hopefully folks left feeling empowered to do the action steps and maybe even more volunteer perhaps too, Absolutely. right? Support. Always. I'm sure I'm just going to put a plug in there. I'm sure that you all would welcome financial support as well. Most organizations do, right? <laughs> Especially post COVID. Okay, good. Yeah. just want to plug that as well. Well, thanks again for being on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bridges City and thank you to Ashley Benson and Ben Hoekstra, the other members of our team who helped with this episode. Thank you to Megan O'Halloran, who connected me with Audra. And of course, thank you to Audra and everyone else at the Walker's Point Youth and Family Center for doing the work you all are doing. This episode was produced and edited by me, Benjamin Rangel, and music is by Casey Masters. Please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash city. Or if you can't do that just yet, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends and family. At the very least, Sign up to receive email and information about Bridge City on our website or follow us on social media. But most importantly, as always, reach out and let us know how you have helped Bridge the City. Bridge the City. Whoa, whoa. Bridge the City. Yeah. Bridge the City. Yeah. Gotta bridge the city.